0: You are listening to WTUZ Radio Podcast. Are white? How to grow produce on the land. Who better to teach them than the indigenous people of the Americas? So they were on those plantations as well, whether they were prisoners of war, some say AKA slaves, or they had some type of contract as well, employment agreement. Each year, the council was to elect a warehouseman named the treasurer or cape merchant to take charge of and manage the commodities stored in his care. This person could be re-elected by the council upon the expiration of his one year term of office. In addition, two bookkeepers were to be appointed each also for a term of one year to keep a register of all things being brought into the warehouse and one to keep a similar book of all things being removed for it, from it. Okay. Now I'm sure I went over this before, in another podcast, but just to keep re-reminding folks, cause folks be forgetting, or either it don't sink in on how all of this is set up and who really runs things. They keep looking at the surface stuff, the public faces. They keep not wanting to remember. Whom the truly hidden hand is. So I apologize in advance for the folk that, like, you done went over this already, lady. I apologize in advance if I have in a podcast. Hold on a second. All right. All right to assist in trading to, from, and by this one warehouse. Every one of the colonies for the first uh, five years shall trade together in one stock. This meant that they were given royal orders to adopt to form warehouse banking, where the individual would take his product to the warehouse and place it on deposit there, receiving and return a receipt which receipt could readily be traded for goods and services. This was the original form of paper currency. And it greatly facilitated trade and growth in the formative years of colonial existence. In order to keep a better check on the trading with the colonies, the first colonial council was required to choose one or more companies each of uh, of not less than three people who resided in or close to London, England, and the second colonial council was to choose one or more similar companies, each of the two or more people from the town of Plymouth in the county of Devon, England. The purpose of each of these companies was to take charge of the trade and accounting of all goods which both went out and were received from his respective colony, from whichever port or ports in England, which was used for export or import, and all things concerning the managing of affairs and profits of the adventures of that respected company. So obviously, they had everything on lock. Don't sound like this was their first go-around to me, getting this stuff set up. Finally, nobody was to allow to be admitted as an immigrant, into any of the colonies unless they swore an allegiance to whom? To whom? To the king or the crown, an oath to the parliament, which also had sworn allegiance to the king, and an oath to the effect that they would always trade in and through the ports of ports, which managed to trade within the colonies. So, are y'all understanding the immigration requirements? Remember, this was back up in the 1600s. Okay. So, as those swathy, tawny, aka black Europeans, were coming over here. Check the records. That's why it's important for you to do your genealogy. And if you keep going back, melanated, AKA black folk. If you see people with England or Europe on your uh, family's records, and a lot of times it may not even list the race, on sometimes on the U.S. Census, it will list the race and you scratching your head <clears throat> and it's black, nah, more than likely it's accurate. You have to jump over to where it said they came from. Go pull the ship manifest. And then you can jump over to that European nation that they say they from. And you can find their records over there as well. I know because I've done it, okay? But they had to, immigrants had to take an oath or an allegiance to the king or the crown, just like today. When immigrants come to the United States of America, they have to take an oath and allegiance to the United States. The Royal Ordinance and Constitution, March 9, 1607, the first section of this ordinance enlarged the King's Council for the two colonies, and that because of the distance between the members of each of the councils, that the 12 men met together with six at least, were to be members of the one colony and six at least were to be members of the other colony were to be considered enough persona or quorum to vote on any particular issue. And they were given power to vote upon broader and more reaching issues than ever before. So folks that want to talk about the constitution today, you better do a little bit more research and know what you're talking about about whom that constitution or that contract or that ordinance is really talking about. The second charter of the Virginia Company, May 23rd, 1609. One of the secret corporations that is comprised of the secret C family. I know I'd be going around a block up the street just trying to dig and give you the root of the issue oligarchy, because remember this podcast is about, is Amazon and oligarchy. One of the secret corporations that is comprised of the secret oligarchy is the Virginia Company. In October 1781, when the Earl of Cornwallis capitulated. to the British East Indian Company employee George Washington, the name of the Virginia company was renamed. The new secret company was now called Sips Water. It's now called the United States of America Corporation and Body Politic. So now I'm fencing Fixina and finna say that again. You want to tell me what about the Constitution? What? You want to tell me about the Constitution and who it really benefits? Uh huh. Do your research. The term of the capulation. Was that the secret corporation. Would continue in existence. When. How long did they say that. uh, The secret corporation. uh, Which was the Virginia. uh, Which was originally the Virginia company. uh, And it's renamed the what. The United States of America Corporation. And body politics. Abrah, uh, uh, how long was the secret corporation? Would continue forever. The arrangement that the king or queen of England would continue to receive how much? 20% of the revenues from the Virginia Company as per the old charter of what? 1607 again forever 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 forever, ever ever you gon' run the kings them they ends so now you want to tell me what about the constitution did what for whom when the Pesor family Signed a contract with Benjamin Franklin in 1785 to handle all of the communication and transportation and the secret corporation again forever. So let me back, 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 back it up. Back, back, back. The PESOR Family signed a contract with Benjamin Franklin in 1785 to handle all of the communication and transportation in the secret corporation again forever. So Benny, Benny was hired by the pay source. Now, let me just remind you, this the Benny, this the Benny who had wrote back to England When they wanted to send African slaves over to the Americas that he didn't want it. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Go look it up. Because he said everywhere he looked, they black people. Now, I'm paraphrasing, but go look it up for yourself, baby. He said, "Everywhere he looked, it was black people." He went all around the world, Asia, friends, la da da Went all the way down, the, uh, all the way down the line, Germany, Italy, and even the Americas. He didn't say black, he said swathy. Swathy means black. And that includes even in the Americas, swathy. And including red. Yeah, that them, them red. You mean that, that copper color tone? That they outnumbered. The pure-born white folk. They outnumbered the pure-born white folk. So we don't need no more. Tawny, well Africans aren't really tawny, which is brown. No more swathy. So now how did millions of slaves come over on a boat from Africa? which is why you cannot find those million slave ship manifests or records because it wasn't millions of Africans. The majority of the folks were them swathy and Tawny, black Europeans. And the millions... Were those copper colored people of the Americas? Yeah, that Ben Franklin. So he was hired by the Paysors. The Crown Prince of France, Louis Charles Bourbon Capet, was made manager of the United States Corporation in 1805. At the time, the Crown Prince was 20 years old. Well, damn. Honey, I know he had to be somebody's um, nephew something to have that heavy responsibility at 20. He had been hiding in the city of London since both his parents were beheaded during the French Revolution. Okay, in 1793. Okay, that makes sense. So he was king, kin to the kings name. His father, Louis Charles Bourbon Capet, child, child, Louis, wait a minute, y'all, so that's Louis' real name, that's Louis the Sixteenth, right, all oh, straight, straight up, so Louis XVI's real name, Louis Charles Bourbon Capet, and his mother were of pure, mm, I'm not going to say that word, Race bloodline and Lewis equals Charlemagne. Bloodline Marie Antoinette Von Hopsburg. Bloodline, i.e. Queen Elizabeth II today. Now I'm gonna tell y'all this. When we did that, the forgotten black European bloodline, we gave y'all receipts, we gave y'all pictures. Of the folk that he naming, with the exception of the Queen Elizabeth II today, were tawny, swathy, A.K.A. Black people. That's including King Louis. I call him the Pimpalicious, cause he stayed fly, stayed with his hair fried that laid to the MF inside. I showed you all a picture of Charlemagne melanated. Marie Antoinette with that German bloodline. Von Habsburg. These were melanated, aka black, aka swathy and tawny people. They are the original Black European bloodlines, the forgotten Black European bloodlines. You can check out the series, The Forgotten Black Nobility. Let's continue. Colonel Leroy Springs, the Paysour family lost control of the Virginia Company in 1933 when the company had to file for bankruptcy. Y'all yeah, understand what happened in '33, right? All of the executive orders issued by Roosevelt disenfranchised Louis Casparious' family from the corporation in 1933. At okay, wasn't there like a big crash, the Depression, 1933? At the time, it was taken over by Colonel Leroy Springs. The founder of the spring-made, ooh, child, bed linen factory in uh, Lancaster, South Carolina. As most of you know by now, the Hart brothers and their, I'm not going to say that, constituents use the electronic geometry from, oh, I'm not going to keep that because he's going into other stuff, saying weather manipulation Oh, I'm not gonna say all of that, child. Okay. So anyway, <clears throat> Colonel Leroy Springs' granddaughter is the main person in charge of the corporation and was the head of the what? The Federal Reserve Bank. Her name is Crandall Balls. Oh, yeah, I've read this before, y'all. I just never went all the way back to back, linking it all the way together. Okay, so old girl that was head of the Federal Reserve um, Bank, that's um, the family members of Camilla Parker Balls, Prince (laughs) Charles' wife. Okay, so they saying they don't know if she's still alive today, but she was on the Federal Reserve Bank of Charlotte, North Carolina, and was... CEO of the Spring-Made Bed Linen Factory. And remember that um, Leroy Springs was uh, one of the um, trustees of the pursuer stuff. The Federal Reserve Bank evolved out of North Carolina Gold Company Charter in 1899 in Charleston, South Carolina, a first national bank of Charlotte. All right, so I'm not gonna go into that anymore. Uh, Let me see. All right, at any rate, the Federal Reserve Bank of Charlotte, North Carolina, made the secret electronic f- funds transferred to the City of London today. This is the 20% of the tax revenue that will forever go back to the Crown of England via the original contracts with the Virginia Company. The Merivian families, King James the first. I ain't going to go into what he's saying all up in there, Remember also the gateway to the sun. Okay, yeah, 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 get to the stuff. Because there were 48 Merivian families who signed on to the Virginia Company charter. So where are those signatures today? So when I think of Merivian, I think of out of um, Italy. In 1607, King James, born 1566, already knew that there were going to be 48 States in North America. He knew this because it is he who charted the Virginia Company. Each Moravian family was to have its very own state as its kingdom. So in other words, James, King James was already pretty much passed down the plan for the colonization of the Americas, which was really to set up commerce. All right, so the Merivian family, who that name today is still tied to big banking, was a part of that also. Okay, so they were probably part of the financiers behind that Virginia company. Pope of Rome, there were some secret trusts executed with the Pope of Rome also, um, such as the state of Maryland. And I do believe that this is why they do this today to keep the UCBO trust so secretive for the few. Oligarchical monarch control and rule of assets, which is why these trusts are not found in ordinary law schools. Absolutely. So like I said early on, trusts are private, they don't have to tell you an and thing. All right, family, I know that was a lot. I apologize up in advance if it was too much, but I just wanted for you to enter and overstand when you're saying these big conglomerate organizations understand that who that public face, they say founded and started that, Mm, there's a 99.99999% chance they did not. They are appointed in those positions. They are financed to start those companies by these particular European empires. Okay? So again, is Amazon and oligarchy? Hmm. You think think about it a little bit. So thank you much, family, for hanging in there with me, sweet peas. This is Rhonda from WTUZ Radio Podcast. I wish you well on this Wednesday. Peace and love, family.